It's weird having a friend who's a legend. I've never had a... Jim is my first friend who's a legend. It pisses me off because I'll never be a legend. I'm not a legend. I don't have that legendary quality, you know. There are certain people in your life who have the legendary quality. Who says? Quality. People. I, it, it's just something you know. It's just something you know. It's 8.47 a.m. Saturday, April the 11th, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> Episode 321. But only because I checked. I wonder if it would be hard to live with a legend. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to worry about that. I don't know. Of course I, I do. I think I do. I live with a legend. <laughs> the legend of Diane Schulstead is it's out there. <laughs> it's big in the land. <laughs> it's vastness. Well, you've got a pile of albums on your lap. Well, I just decided that if we're going to talk about our relationship with Jim, yeah, that we should have these here in front of us. Because, you know, these were the ones. And which are those ones? Well, we have Jim Page, A Shot of the Usual. This is the record that I bought at the Bon Marche in Tacoma, 1975. Got my name on the back and everything like that. It's got the original liner notes and stuff. And we have Jim Page on the street again. I think this is your copy. I've got mine up there, too. I think mine doesn't have a price tag on it. How much was it? $4 to hand. $4? You paid 4 bucks for this? Man. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Which is the one we were, you know, you're actually, that actually sparked this whole conversation. Ah, ham and eggs. Then we have, uh, that was on the street again. Let me see it. Then we have Hot Times, which has one of my all-time favorite Jim Page uh, finger-picking things, and that is the song, Hot Times Around the City Lights. Some amazing finger-picking. I'm always bugging Jim that he has to relearn how to play that. But now that I'm old, too, I'm like, no, nah, maybe he doesn't. Because you can't can, make it go away. I can't, I can't, that was my yeah. song from there. And White... White Shoes Blues. White Shoes Blues. Yeah. Yeah. I must say I love that song. Yep. Yeah. Brown water and sweet French bread. Stone Brews. Got it coming in from my shoes. Got mine. Stop being squealing. Stop it's, to giving me there's the something very blues. satisfying about holding on to a vinyl LP. Well, yes. You know? Especially one from that you've carried through your life for 40-some years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as some may know and some may not, oh, yeah. we've been playing a game on Facebook Facebook that has been going around. That There's it's, a lot of games going around Facebook. Yeah, right that's right. Yeah. That is, it is very fun for me. I was having fun watching you do it, and yeah. I'm very grateful that you did not make me. Because it's fun to see what albums have influenced somebody. And, and the way that the, the instructions were given, it was saying an album that was influential in your life or that you just loved. And mm -hmm. it had to be for vinyl LP. And that definitely cuts down a lot of the music that you would be putting up. But I really, when I took on this game I was thinking about the things that really were life-changing for me right, right. and out of all the life-changing uh, albums in my life I think that on the street again actually p 
pivoted me at a crucial moment uh, because of the, as I was saying in my comments when I was uh, thanking Jim for this, it was just the right ideas at the right time. Mm -hmm. I needed to hear those ideas at the time that I heard them. And that album was put out in 1976. Right. And I don't think I got it at that time because I think that I was introduced to Jim's music in, well, not too long after that because I was still in college, I think, when my brother took me to see Jim Page at the other side of the tracks. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away. We've talked about this before on the show, but it's been long enough. <laughs> that well, it's something that, something that cycles back through your life. Well, because it was, it was the thing that made me realize the power and intensity of going to an intimate concert by a superb songwriter. I mean, it was... And he's not just a superb songwriter, he's a superb entertainer, too. He's a he knows, storyteller. Yeah, and he knows how to do, he knows how to put himself, his ideas, his music across in a, in a, a way that is unique. And that's one of the reasons that I posted uh, the Harry Chapin Greatest Stories Live album as one of my most influential, is because I got to see Harry Chapin twice in like two years solo. He was just him and his guitar. And he played for like two and a half hours, and the, you could have heard a pin drop in both of those auditoriums. Uh, first one was, was the auditorium at Whitworth, where I went to college, and the second time was at the Spokane Opera House, which was probably about a 3,000-seat theater, and it was absolutely hushed the entire night. The guy was just amazing. Well, after I saw him at the other side of the tracks, I really sought him out. And at right. that time, it was really hard to find out where he was going to be. Sure, still is kind of sometimes. Well, it's easier now that oh, he's yeah. posting on Facebook. But back in those days, I was, I actually wrote him. I wrote him a, well, I think it would be a fan letter, yeah, you know. sure. And said that I would really love to hear him play again. And he told me... At that time, a he sent me a postcard and sent me a... And for me, you know, back then, when somebody had an album out, you, you thought they were famous. Right. Because people weren't putting out albums. So I thought he was, you know, deigning to stoop and... <laughs> Right, it was like it was guy. like getting a letter back from Bobby Sherman or yeah. something. Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. <laughs> I never liked Bobby Sherman. I'm just kidding. You boy. Yeah, it's good coffee. But in a way, from, yeah. You know, when you're a, when you're a young person, I mean, for me, when I pull, I mean, when I, I remember pulling this record out of the record rack, and at that moment, my the course of my life changed, because I suddenly suddenly there was something was possible. Because I knew Jim wasn't world famous. Yeah. I knew this was a local guy. and a lo Because one of the things that I thought was very interesting in high school was that my choir director, Mr. Margelli, used to make records of performances. Oh, yeah. You've yeah, I've got, you played I've got, some for me. Right. I've got two records. One of when my sister was in his choir, and they did Carl Orff's Carmina Barana. And that they recorded the concert, and he pressed LPs and gave and everybody got LPs 
And the same thing when we did the Chichester Psalms and the, and the Liebeslieder waltzers from Johannes Brahms in concert at Christ Episcopal Church. They recorded the concert and they gave us LPs. It was cool. You could do that. And then I saw this and I was like, I can do this. I yeah. can do this. It brought the whole, my whole musical kind of life like miles closer in, in an instant. Suddenly it was right here in front of me. It wasn't that far away Harry fairy, you know, uh, dream of being discovered and being, there was some other place you could go. You could still create a body of work. And you don't have to be world famous to create a body of work. You know, it's like yeah. my dad made sense to me then because he loved doing what he was doing and he was doing it and he didn't really, I mean, he did care that people noticed, but that wasn't the primary job. Right. It wasn't getting people to notice. It was doing the thing. And, and staying dedicated to thing, the thing and putting the thing in the middle of your life, no matter where it leads you, you do it because you love doing the thing. And the thing will never stop being interesting to you, no matter how long you do it, you know? And it just solidified that possibility for me. Well, I sometimes, the reason why it keeps cycling back for me is I keep thinking if it hadn't been for that moment... I never would have been where I am. Yeah, me either. I, there are very few times where you can really identify the life changers because sometimes they're so nebulous. But that was truly like I was at a crossroads. I went this direction instead of that direction. Right. And... The reason why You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet was so important to me is it was basically saying, look, you can do this, but you don't have to do this. Yeah. And just being presented with that option, I was like, what? What? It really shifted my way of thinking. Yeah. Well, songs like The Great Alaska Oil Rush uh, and uh, Bound for Out of Town, they, I mean, I just... <laughs> they, I, I could see him. It was like when I, I had read Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry, and then when I saw the miniseries on TV, the opening scene where they're walking into the town of Lonesome Dove, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly like I imagined it. You know? And you could, the way Jim was describing circumstances, it was very gritty, which I liked, of course. As a, as a romantic teenager, you know, you, you like, if you're a guy, you like the grit, you want grit. And, you know, I knew because I had come to Jim Page from John Denver that I was probably going to have a harder time being gritty than Jim was going to have. And that has remained true our entire association. <laughs> Jim has always, it's always been easier for Jim to be gritty than for me to be gritty. <laughs> I'm just not gritty. I'm, you know, I'm kind of. But I love your songs. Well, I know, I know. I'm, I, I'm I love not his songs that, for Jim right, and right, no, your no, songs saying. for you. And I know, but it's John Denver interesting. John and, it's, Denver and, and it just amazes me. That 10 years after I bought this record, Jim and I started being friends. I, you know, 10 years after I bought this record, I went over to the place where Jim was staying with my little four-track recorder on Boxing Day 1985 and recorded Jim and Orville Johnson and uh, Tommy Hayes to, uh, on this four-track with like, I think I had three microphones and that was it. And my wire reverb unit with me. And it was just like, oh my God. And that's when I started being Jim's friend. And we started getting booked at gigs together for Victory Music. 
And it was like, this is that guy. This is that guy that changed my life 10 years ago. You know? And now we're friends. So that's just an amazing arc. And I, you know, I don't think I could have described at the time the fact that my consciousness was being expanded. But I recognized something was changing in my life as it was happening. And I don't think I had ever had that experience before. Because I was still an adolescent, you know, at the time that this was happening. And, you know, I mean, I, I was falling in love right and left because that's what you do when you're an adolescent. But this was something different. This was something that was, it was an expansion of a part of me that was just me, you know. Um, because my relationship to music has always been odd because it's so organic because it was just something that was in our house and it was in the air and it was you know it just yeah. it was in my hands before I was really even thinking about it and I, well, my dad used to force Marion and I to practice and we didn't want to and it was just kind of one of those things and it was I've never it's like it's never not been there so when it, that expanded like that it felt like a, a very fundamental part of who I my total individuality that was expanding so it definitely was noticed but I don't really think I could articulate it and I don't think I've even tried for 40 years or something to articulate it but when I was looking at that album cover that you when you posted it this morning I realized this guy changed my life yeah you know in the much the same way that he changed your life you know not just the course of it but the, my entire my life philosophy what I think of as success and stuff like that. My dad was part of that equation too, but Jim brought it into the realm that I was playing in, you know, rather than what my dad was, that was my dad's thing. I think because I grew up with a very strongly creative guy in the house, I had to claim my own space. Yeah, I had I can this imagine. early sense that I need, I, need to, I need to lay claim to something else that yeah. I can really cultivate as my own, you know. So that's what songwriting became. At first, it was just like just singing and playing the guitar. But I realized, listening to Paul Simon and John Denver and John Prine and Pete Seeger and Jim Page, that that this was this was something that I was not only capable of doing, but probably am supposed to do because I get ideas for mu for musical melody lines just come into my head. And I'm always thinking about words, and I've always got music playing in my head. So, I don't Actually, know. Me too. Yeah, I don't know what else you use as a signal to signal this is what I should be doing with my life, but I think that's as good as any you're going to get. And I don't know that everybody's got that. So I felt, along with all of these other realizations, was this incredible sense of good fortune and luck, because so much of my satisfaction comes from this endeavor. We're talking day to day, you know. It's not just when you put out a record or something like that. It's the day to day encounter with it that is the centerpiece of your life. So. Well, and I realized, uh, you know, the longer that I was involved with Victory, because even when I was not participating in the same kind of a way mm -hmm. that I was from 1984 to 1989, I have been a promoter of local music ever since. You know, I now I'm back in it again with the ancient victories. Yeah, but I've been trying to to 
basically explain my enthusiasm and passion for yeah. this experience ever since. Yeah. I mean, pretty much every Bill and Diane show is just us talking about this experience. And that's because it's our greatest passion, I think. Yeah, it's a continuum. I mean, it started with, you know, playing music with my dad at parties, you know. It's like it just was just a thing. That's This is what we did. Somebody else was known for their carrot cake, or and somebody else was known to be the best horseshoe pitcher, and the, uh, somebody else, you know, could out-drink anybody else, or, you know, something, you know. My dad was the guy with the guitar. And when everybody got lubed up enough at the party, it was time for Tom <laughs> to bring, up the, bring out the guitar so everybody could sing. That's great. I like that. Yeah. And that's what I feel like is I'm do, doing now, now more than ever, because I'm not aspiring to play in big halls and stuff like that. I'm, it's like I'm playing in somebody's living room. And, and now, literally, in your, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in now, your living room. Right, or in my office, yeah, it's true. Although that's kind of your living room, too. Yeah, I think it's nice, and I, was, I probably have said this before on the show, that, that this time of quarantine, or whatever you want to call it, social distancing is allowing us as individuals to go deeper into thoughts and ideas that we usually don't have time for and I'm grateful for that opportunity uh, it's kind of what I'm always trying to do anyway but even for me I've had more room uh, in these weeks to think and to think about something like Jim's influence in my life uh, you know on a real kind of way and get some new clarity around it and get it you know, a new way of, of defining what his effect actually was on me. I think that's great, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. I feel like I'm really grateful as well that I have so many heroes that are in my life as a matter of course. Yep. we got to treasure them while they're here, man. Yeah. So which songs are we going to play? We're going to play a couple of songs from the On the Street again because that's that's the album that started this <laughs> conversation. And we're going to play Bound for Out of Town and You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Is that the one you want? That's the one. That's but, the life changer for me. Little Jim Page for you. Classic. Stand though when they call hard nose with his underwater eyes and a mortgage on his clothes. Asked Fat Albert for a phone booth and a dime. Albert said he'd like to help him, but he did not have the time. He was bound to catch a can, bound for out of town. Pawnbroker foreclosed, running over time. 
The poet and the reptile then clean run out of rhymes. Rock and roll and hard turpentine make the loose professional walk the crooked line. Bound to catch a can, bound for out of town. Hail to the hero, a long time gone, come home to meet the stranger woman, mother of his son. Honor and salute you with 21 shots of lead. If you get lucky, hero, you might catch one with your head and be bound to catch a can, bound for out of town. Judicial clubs keep outsiders in their place Everything from bad manners to the language of your face Those that know the value are those that have been denied Respecting all but the dead, for they've already died And be buried in Ketchikan, down and out of town Multisexual, anything goes Eye shade, makeup, and carnival clothes Hungry for nothing and never satisfied Keep you always on the run with never no place to hide Not even catch a can or bound for out of town Contract licenses and ID cards They check the hotels and the railroad yards And the refugees, their first time on the street All sell their shoes to make it easy on their feet They are bound to catch a can, bound for out of town Now the dangerous majority are tired of all this talk Guards don't help, don't trust no padlock those that want to get out better get out while they can better get out now before they can't no longer stand and be bound to catch a can bound for out of town Around bumping into things with a busted nose, taking all the wrong directions, wearing other people's clothes. They must be up to something, but nobody knows, but that's all right. They wake up mean, take a shot of caffeine, and then they hit the highway to blow off steam. And they go out to fight the traffic, getting hopelessly stuck. Daring head-on colliders just to test out their luck Till they get out punched by a cement truck But that's all right Remember well and don't forget No matter what you see You ain't seen nothing yet Queen for 
a day, getting ready right away with a by-the-numbers face kit and a can of hairspray. She's got an undercover lover who takes her for a drive every day at 1.30 on Channel 5. Daytime television keeping her alive, but that's all right. The kids all go to schools where they learn to act like fools and hope to someday be old enough to break a few rules. Where they practice bad manners and they polish up their tricks. Where the grade A brains go to get the brains fixed. They call it education, but it's all just politics, but that's all right. Remember well and don't forget, no matter what you see, you ain't seen nothing yet. Old enough to take a side with military pride. Some call it patriotic, some call it suicide. They go out to fight the battle in the company of kings. Red hot and eager to test out their wings. They catch a bullet in the forehead and just forget the whole thing. But that's all right. When it gets too much to take and they feel it start to break. They get religious and they go out on the lake. You see them walking on air. They don't ever use their shoes. Finding God in the drain pipes where they go to pay their dues. Then they vanish in a puff of smoke and don't leave any clues. But that's all right. Remember well and don't forget. No matter what you see, you ain't seen nothing yet. Old enough to be of age. And very well behaved, they go out in the world and become the new wave. And they do what must be done to get what they receive, following the gospel of whatever it is they believe. Till they get what they got coming and then it's too late to leave, but that's all right. More or less a complete success, anyone with half a brain would have to be impressed. An example for the children so they won't turn bad Someone to look up to like the father they never had Till they find out what he's really like And then they just get mad, but that's all right Remember well and don't forget No matter what you see You ain't seen nothing yet To it, they'll take you by the hand if it helps to see you through it. And you'll have a lot of friends, you won't never be alone. They're thicker than thieves and they ain't never been thrown. And you'll wind up just like them with a story of your own, but that's all right. Cause that's the way it's done. They get you when you're young, start feeding you the lion, and once you get yourself hung. It's been going on for years, you know it ain't nothing new You can take it if you want it, if that's what you want to do It's your life and it's up to you and that's all right Remember well and don't forget, no matter what you see You ain't seen nothing yet